HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following program has been brought to you by Rolling Press, a family-run, eco-friendly printing company. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. Uh, today we have on Jamie Kalusian from the Michelin star Dovetail Restaurant. Uh, I'm very excited about that. But uh, before we get started with Jamie, I just want to make a, a little announcement. We're going to be participating in the Roberta's Hawaiian Barbecue on August 11th, 2013. It's going to be really fun. There's going to be food from Delaney Barbecue, Heritage Foods USA, Untitled, Court Street Grocers. Uh, Roberta's Catering is going to be uh, roasting a whole hog. And uh, Maysville, where I actually ate last night, uh, really awesome drink list there. And then uh, we're going to be putting together a cocktail from Manfora. Sombra Mezcal is going to be doing drinks, um, Empire Brewing Company and others. It's going to be lots of great, uh, great food, great drink, great music, an art auction, hog roast, campfire. is going to be a blast. Uh, that's August 11th, 2013. Um, happy hour from 4 to 5 and main event from 5 to 9 p.m. Get your tickets at Hawaiian Barbecue. Um, dot eventbrite.com or you can call 718-389-0985 it's going to be a lot of fun I'm looking forward to it we're actually partnering with uh, Skernick Wines and uh, their spirits program and we're going to be doing some great uh, some great cocktails using some of their artisanal spirits which is uh, uh, pretty exciting um, anyway we have uh, Jamie Clusian here from Dovetail welcome Jamie it's great to have you on the show Thank you for having me. Uh, I've been a big fan of uh, of Dovetail uh, for a few years now. Um, it's one of uh, one of the the reasons that I go up to the Upper West Side, and not too often uh, I go up there. But uh, I wish that I, I would make it more. It's uh, it's a really truly special restaurant. Um, I think it's it's uh, a really uh, the the food is so beautiful. The the beverage program really complements and highlights. Uh, the food. Uh, I think John Frazier is insanely talented uh, and uh, uh, insanely nice and great guy as well. Um, and uh, I, I'm just a big fan of what you guys do. So I'm, I'm super excited to have you on the show. 
Thank you so much. I'm super excited to start working there. Um, yeah, and so you just you just started. Uh, this is actually the first time that that we're meeting. Um, so I'm excited to uh, to learn quite a bit more uh, about you. I've been a fan of the restaurant for a while, but um, uh, you've taken over uh, a, a beverage program for a Michelin star restaurant in New York City. Um, when did you start? I started um, toward the end of January, just after I left El Posto. So Excellent. yeah, it's it's been great. Um, you know, it was a great program to inherit, but it's also, um, they gave me a lot of poetic license to, you know, sort of change the cocktail program a little bit, um, buy a few more wines that maybe weren't represented before. So it's really fun. That's, that's fantastic. So what, which direction did you bring the list in? Where was it before and where, where have you added your personal touch? The list before was great. They had um, Amanda brought on a great amount of Italian wines, um, a lot of wines from Slovenia, and they had a lot of domestic wines, but I think, um, you know, moving forward as the busy season starts and we start, you know, doing even more tastings than we already have, um, the direction is going to be a lot more New York, New York state focused. I want to bring on a few wines from Rhode Island, which is where I'm from. And then I, one of my favorite parts of the world um, in general, not just the United States is Santa Barbara. Wow. Uh, this is news to me that there's wine from Rhode Island that is uh, good to drink. Uh, as, you know, there's there there's wine that's made in all fifty states. Exactly. And uh, I had I had this idea that I, I wanted to go visit at least a winery in each fifty state, which each each of the fifty states, which I thought sound like fun, but also just something kind of kitschy because I couldn't imagine that every state can make good quality wine. But you're saying that at least in in Rhode Island, there there's something that's worth drinking. Maybe because it's so near and dear to my heart. I grew up there. Um, I worked in restaurants close to the vineyards in Newport, Rhode Island. But they, they're making some great, great Riesling, sparkling Riesling, um, some Chardonnay from Greenvale. Sakana, I have to say, is my favorite, though. Sakana is the winery? Yes. Okay. And are they working mostly with uh, Riesling and Vitis vinifera grapes, or are there also, I imagine, some hybrid situation there? Um, not that I know of. Mostly Merlot, mostly Riesling, um, you know, simple quaffing wines, but they are delicious. All right. Well, speaking of Newport, my aunt and uncle, just to give them a plug, they have a little... Uh, bed and breakfast in Newport, Rhode Island. So I, I usually go off there every summer. Um, and just in the past few years, I feel like there's been a, a few new restaurants that, that have opened and uh, things are kind of stepping up a little bit in, uh, in Newport. But uh, the Armistead Cottage, if, uh, if you guys need a place to stay in, in Newport, it's a very, very charming uh, bed and breakfast. Uh, I actually waited on you and your aunt and uncle and it was sort of you probably don't remember, it was quite a few years ago, but um, that was sort of, you know, the conversation point. I was from Rhode Island. I think they asked me where I was from, and we started talking about that particular bed and breakfast in Newport. This was probably about three or four years ago, though. Wait, are you serious? I, it was at Danielle, right. Oh, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. I did not remember that. They're like, that's Joe Campanelli. Don't mess anything up. <laughs> yeah, because I would, I'm very demanding, a very demanding guest. In, no. uh, in <laughs> Uh, wow, that's that's amazing. Yeah, so that they're uh, they're from there. That that's uh, wow. I'm I'm kind of speechless that you remember. That's very cool. Um, okay, so before tell us about how you got to where you are today. Um, pretty, I think, a very prestigious position in in the New York restaurant industry. But um, certainly, you had to start somewhere. And, and how did you get into the industry? I mean, I started. Before I even graduated high school, I worked in restaurants. Um, I was usually, like other people, attaining other goals, trying to put myself through college, eventually buying my first car. But after, I moved here about eight years ago, and I remember, I think I started selling ad space for a small magazine, and I was like, well, I have to make more money than this. This is New York. I like, I like going out, you know? I like going out to dinner. So I 
got my first job at Dona, which was in Midtown, since since closed, one of Michael Salakas's um, restaurant. Great wine list, great food. But when my relatives and my friends would call me and ask me, you know, what museums are you going to? What plays have you been going to? You know, did you buy that handbag on Fifth Avenue? I was like, honestly, my attraction in the city is is food and drink. That's that's my museum. That's my art. And so it just took off from there. I, I had a great meal, um, Chef Daniel Hume at 11 Madison Park, and I immediately applied for a server position um, a few weeks later, and it, it just rolled on from there. I started working in one restaurant after another just to build up a really good vernacular, Italian wine, French wine, domestic wine I hadn't really gotten my hands on yet. So it was really fun just to be in this playground of a city where, like I said, the main attraction really mm-hmm. is food and wine. Yeah, you know, that a similar thing happened to me. I had a meal at Union Square Cafe and said, God, I really got to work here. Uh, this place is really special. Uh, but how did you get into, you know, because there are plenty of people who work in the restaurants and work in uh, even the front of house, but don't ever get into the wine side of things. So how, what was your first taste of uh, an, a particular interest in, in wine buying or, or, or wine appreciation? I think it's just not boredom, but you always want to look for something new. Maybe it doesn't have to be a new country or a new region, but just um, maybe a new winery that's opening up that, you know, is new to the market. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, a few restaurants or a few sommeliers, you know, maybe turned them down, haven't met with this distributor yet. So I thought that was the biggest attraction in moving from bartender to sommelier to eventually wine buyer and writing your list. Um, just constantly looking just hunting for something new and it's really fun and I'm learning so much more than I ever did even though being a sommelier or being anything in New York a server is just it's inundating you learn a lot but doing this having control of it is really really fun it's a lot of poetic license yeah and do you remember an early wine experience where you were working in a restaurant and maybe you had someone who was very passionate a very passionate teacher or some collector opened up a bottle and you you, they, you decanted it and tasted it like oh man there's something to this uh, do you remember any of those early experiences that, that things started to click, like, wow, I want to devote more time to this wine thing? Right. Um, I mean, there are many, many experiences I can say. You know, I've seen, I've tasted wines, I've, you know, sneaked little sips here and there that I wasn't supposed to, of labels that I'll probably never see up close again, that I can't afford myself. But I have to say, when I started working at Lincoln Restaurante, we mm-hmm. opened Lincoln, um, there was something very contagious about Aaron Von Rock's um, enthusiasm about Italian wine, not just wine in general, but the way he really sort of embraced um, that one country and made it just so, it's so difficult to learn about Italian wines. The rule is there are no rules. The grapes are just too many to name, but he made it just so easy to learn and just, you know, we constantly tasted something every single day, more than one wine usually. He always shared his knowledge. He always shared maybe wines that he didn't even eventually put on the list, samples he got, and he was a great teacher, and that was my first foray into working at a restaurant where the focus was Italian wine, which is really difficult for me because I had spent a lot of time working in restaurants, um, almost two decades, but honestly, that was, being in New York A was sort of taxing and then working mm-hmm. for a restaurant where the focus was Italy. That's great to hear. I mean, we, Aaron's a, a friend. We just had him on the show right. uh, a few weeks ago. So was that a few weeks ago? Yeah, I guess it was a few weeks ago now. Um, I, and, you know, Italian wine is also uh, what kind of what I do uh, best. And hearing Aaron speak about Italian wine renews my excitement and passion about it. He's, uh, he's truly great and uh, excited to have him. So what areas of... Uh, of Italy during that time were you most interested in? Where were you drawn to? 
I, I, I really don't like superlatives in wine. You know, I can't just pick one. Well, one day it was Liguria. Another day it was um, maybe a vintage Barbaresco or Barolo or a producer from Piedmont, mm-hmm. you know, that wasn't a big name that I hadn't heard of previously, but that I love just as much as the, you know, super expensive Barolos. So that was really fun for me. Um, Sicily, you- too. That was that was a new territory. Sis, I think that's some of the most exciting things in Italy, uh, uh, in the world of wine right now, going down in Sicily. Agreed. Uh, but you were part of that opening team at Lincoln. Mm-hmm. What, what was that like? Tell us a little bit about opening up a restaurant. Well, that was on my, that was always on my restaurant bucket list to open a wine, uh, to, excuse me, to open a restaurant. Um, I had applied to Dovetail before it officially opened. I interviewed there while there were two by fours on the floor. Um, I had interviewed with Daniel Johns, you know, when Barbalude was opening up, even though I didn't end up working there so I when I heard linking was opening I just I jumped at the chance and I wanted to be a part of that and you learn so much when you start from the ground up it doesn't matter you know if a big corporation is behind it or if a big chef is behind the restaurant because Jonathan's great it was just you learn so much from other people that are all in the same boat as you they're all new you're not the new person so it was really fun to be a part of that and what else is on your restaurant bucket list what else is on my restaurant bucket list if I could ever get the funding and uh, you know a great sort of business plan, I'd love to open my own wine bar. I would love that. Nothing too complicated, not yeah. you know a Michelin-starred restaurant by any means, but just a wine bar where some the wine by the list constantly changes by the glass, just world focus. That would just be my dream wow. if it ever happens. <laughs> yeah, and that's sort of a more casual kind of place. Casual vibe, definitely. Do you have a uh, a favorite wine bar that you go to that you think they do things particularly well? I mean, there's one in Queens that's great, um, Winegasm. That's, they're always bringing on really cool, funky, off-the-beaten-path things. Um, wow, in almost a year doing the show, no one has ever recommended a place from Queens. But and hear- I'm especially proud because I grew up in Queens, so I'm, happy, I'm really happy to hear you say that. Well, I know you've heard <laughs> the usual, Ten Bells. I know you've heard all those places, yeah. and I love those places. I do, but just to you know, give, a, give a little credit to the neighborhood where you're from. Cool. At what neighborhood is Winegasm in? It's in Astoria. Okay. Okay. So, so you have to check it out. Next still time uh, not a whole lot going on in Regal Park and Forest Hills where I grew up. Queen's Kickshaw, <laughs> too. That's a great place for beer. Queen's Kickshaw? Park. Yes, definitely. All right. Um, I'm going to give my, my hometown some uh, some love and then check <laughs> out. Uh, what, a, what an interesting name, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about what are some of those wines that you've uh, recently added to the list. Um I was looking at your list online. You have so many exciting things. It's uh, a multi-country. It's Italy, France, Spain, the U.S. I'm sure I'm missing something else. Slovenia. Uh, Slovenia. Like lots of just like a lot of my favorite wines from around the world that I was noticing on there. Uh, what, what are some of the things, that the regions that you're excited about um, outside of Italy now? Outside of Italy? um like I said, Santa Barbara is really exciting for me. Mm-hmm. That cool climate, California, um, expression of Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Pinot Noir, Rhone varietals. Um, something we're pouring by the glass right now, which I'm really excited about, is the Dragonette Sauvignon Blanc. Um, they haven't been making wine too long. I think 2004, John and Steve, two brothers, um, last name being Dragonette. Um, it, it's just a cool wine. They, their label is the alchemist symbol for mm. liquid gold because gold back in the day was medicinal. So there's just a really cool story behind it. Um, a little bit of it is fermented in oak, mostly stainless steel. So it's a really unique, it's not you know the usual grassy, herbaceous, really lean version of Sauvignon Blanc you might find. So it's really, really nice. Very food-friendly wine at that. Yeah, I mean, those are wines that I'm super excited about as well. This kind of new wave of balanced 
California wines, the cooler climate wines. Mm. Uh, nice combination of the the structure of the old world, mm. right? That 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 high acid, moderate alcohol um, kind of wine, but then uh, some new world attributes, maybe a little bit more aromatic, a little bit more more ripe, a little more bold, but still uh, a nice balance between those things. And those wines, those wines are super cool. A wine you were telling me about that uh, I was not so familiar with the. Uh, Farmer Jane Grenache that you're pouring Farmer's by the, Jane. Farmer's mm-hmm. Jane Grenache uh, you're pouring by the glass. Tell us about that. That's um that's a joint venture between two female winemakers, uh, Faith Osborne, um, a tribute to Grace, and then um oh god, what's her name? Faith Osborne and God, her name escapes me right now. Angela. I can't remember her last name, but um they they're respons- she's responsible for the onward Pinot Noir that's also mm-hmm. on our list, which is excellent. But the Farmer's Jane production, um, it's about ninety seven percent Grenache, um, the rest is Carignan. It's actually a really, really, really small organic production, less than I think a little bit less than three hundred cases produced. So we snagged a healthy percentage, which I'll definitely run out of, unfortunately. But it was great because there's, you know, it's definitely ripe. It's ca- from California. You can tell that. But there's so many other nuances about the wine that make it just beautiful. It's slightly earthy. It's not too extracted. Um, it's medium bodied. It's definitely not full for ganache. So it, it's food friendly with the vegetable focused menu that we have at Dovetail mm-hmm. often, um, especially on Monday nights. So it's a great wine and we're happy to pour it by the glass. Yeah. Something really different. And you guys have such interesting wines by the glass. Uh, I noticed uh, there was some uh, Donhoff by the glass. There was uh, a few other wines that uh, Henri Milan by the glass. I, I really love those wines. Um, there, there's just a couple of, God, I just I think your by the glasses is just really exciting. Uh, the Bonavito Faro from uh, Sicily, super super exciting. I love having an interesting by the glass list. I think that that's really cool. Um, we're gonna take a, a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, about food and wine pairing because. Uh, you guys are pretty spectacular at doing tasting menus and then pairing them with wines, and I want to hear your thoughts on that. So we'll, we'll hear about that just after a short break. Today's program was brought to you by Rolling Press. Rolling Press is a family-run digital and offset print house that brings together eco-friendly methods, ethical practices, and personalized service. Using environmentally responsible papers, non-toxic inks, and wind power, Rolling Press represents the harmony of traditional craftsmanship and mindful sustainability. Rolling Press offers advice on reducing paper waste and energy consumption, helping you save money and minimize your carbon footprint. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. Back on In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Um, I'm Joe Campanelli here with Jamie Kalustian from the Michelin Star. I feel like I must say the Michelin Star award-winning <laughs> Dovetail Restaurant. <laughs> uh, I feel like uh, you know if we ever 
at any restaurant ever win a Michelin star. I feel <laughs> I don't know. I I just feel like it's such a such a, a great award and uh, well very well deserved. Um, so at at Dovetail, one of the things that uh, that you offer is a, a tasting menu with an optional wine pairing uh, and and not only a normal wine pairing but a reserve wine pairing. So tell us a little bit about how the how you pick the wine pairings and what that reserve pairing is all about. Well. Just to differentiate between the two, um, both wine pairings, no matter which one you choose, are excellent. And sometimes there is a bit of overlap between the two. But basically the gist of it is if you order the reserve wine pairing, which is in fact $100 more than the standard, um, what we do is we pick multiple bottles actually from the cellar, um, older vintages, something that we just don't have readily available and open. And it really doesn't matter even if it's just one left in in the inventory or if there's a few cases, we're happy to open it um, provided it's the best pairing for the dish. And it is, it, it comes at a cost, but the long division of it is this. It depends on how many people participate, but you know, a party of anywhere from two to four, that could break down to, my math's not very good, probably anywhere from 40 to $55 per bottle. But we're pouring some, you know, really great things. The cost, it really isn't the issue. It's just we wanted to pull multiple bottles from the cellar um, for each course, in fact. Yeah, I mean, the the geeky side of me, I, and I taste, there are so many wines that I'll taste, uh, especially people like to bring very particular wines to, uh, to me, our, our distributors do, because they know that they have... Uh, I guess uh, I get sometimes an off the beaten path kind of uh, taste uh, is that I'll taste a wine and it'll be super funky or really floral or something that is uh, not your standard crowd pleasing wine. I'll be like, man, if we only did tasting menus, I could figure out a way to. I love this wine, but it's not something that pairs well with a wide variety of foods, <laughs> like uh, this grape that I really like from Piedmont called Ruque. It's a super aromatic red grape. And I, th- I feel like with certain dishes, it would be killer. But with it's not like you're putting a bottle of like Sangiovese or Barbera on the table and everyone's just going to love it, you know. Uh, I feel like certain wines have those, those particular applications. Yeah. And then so with the, with the reserve pairings, how, like, how high and how fancy do you go? Like, are you really opening up some, some special stuff or are you trying to move through some inventory? How, how does this work? Definitely not trying to move through um, any sort of inventory. We'll open, you know, like the funky wines, we'll definitely open maybe an orange wine from Italy. Um, we'll open a Courtone Charlemagne 2009 vintage maybe. It just depends on what the dish calls for. Um, sometimes the full bottle will last more than one course, especially if we're sending something complimentary and we're building on an already you know, large tasting menu. Mm-hmm. Um, for the main course, we, you know, recently I opened a 2001 Cabernet Sauvignon from Kathy Corison, which paired lovely with the filet. Um, one course might even be a cocktail that we're doing with the Hearts of Palm, a lote. Mm-hmm. So it just, it runs the gamut. I mean, but we start with an aperitif, so it's a lot of wine. It really is. Um, so we're generous with the pours, but we also, you know, babysit a little bit. Um, we start with an aperitif. It's a sparkling Riesling and or champagne, depending on, you know, the mood of the guests, the taste. And then we even pair a sherry, a Manzanilla-style sherry with the oyster, which is just the amuse. It's not even the first course. So it, it, it's a lot of wine, and we're, it's fun for us, too, because I get to try stuff maybe I hadn't had since mm-hmm. I bought, maybe I hadn't had at all. And then the staff gets to try the wine, which is really important to me, so they can go on and sell it as well. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. And what are some of the, uh, your, your wine and food pairing principles? How do you, how do you approach the pair with the dish? 
Well, there's always that old adage, you know, what grows together goes together. But I actually taste um, every dish, whether it's new or whether I forgot the way it tastes or I got a new wine and I want to make sure that I have a new idea that'll mm-hmm. actually work. So at the end of the night, I usually try a few bites. Um, they'll make me little tasting portions of what's ever new on the menu, whatever I need to refresh. And myself, um, a lot of the staff, maybe sometimes the cooks, even the GM will all sit down, um, not every night, but often and just open a few bottles or see what's by the glass that actually really works with the dish. And it's fun. It's interactive. My say, this, word this, is not, this is not the hard part of the job right no, now. <laughs> no, Because I don't think my word is bond. I think what we do is an art, not a science. I want everyone's opinion. I want the busboy's opinion. I want the new person's opinion. Because they're the people who ultimately eat at restaurants as well. Okay. So into, right now we're getting some uh, really, finally, finally, we're getting some great uh, summer produce. Uh, I feel like we had a much delayed summer because we had a Tomatoes. super, super rainy June and, and spring just kind of stuck around and we were still getting favas and peas and asparagus <laughs> even into like late June, early July. Um, but now we're starting to see some tomatoes, some zucchini, some uh, melons, some peaches and apricots and, and, and all of these great summer fruits and vegetables. What are some of your um, pairings to go with something like a tomato, a particularly high acid, so you can do like a raw tomato salad. How do you approach that? How do we approach that? Um, right now we don't have a raw tomato salad with any sort of vinaigrette on the menu. Um, in the past, I, you know, I really like a lot of Italian wines actually with tomato. Obviously, that's a big staple in their cuisine, whether you're in Tuscany or in other parts of the country. Um, what works really well with actually a beet salad that we had on the menu until most recently was a chilled schiava from Castel Seleg, which was great. Um, it's a red wine, but we kept it chilled because it was slightly earthy, but it was just soft-toned, low-acid, um, earthy nuances, but fruits, everything kept in check. Just a really great balanced wine that tasted great chilled. Mm-hmm. And it worked really well with the salad as well. Yeah, that schiava, I love that great. It's actually consumed in Alto IJ where it's where it's from, often chilled. That's that's how they right. like to have it there exactly. as well. So that's 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 smart. It's hard sometimes I, I always try to feature a chilled red by the glass at, at our restaurant. It works. Mm-hmm. Um it it works in the summer. People are into it in the summer, but they don't they don't want to do it in the winter as much as I'd like. Uh, but I feel like if you're going to drink a white wine in the winter, why not drink a rosé or a chilled red? Well, that's my whole that's my whole thing about rosé. We have three by the glass right now. Mm-hmm. And I never understood a restaurant that by the time, you know, the summer was over or the winter month, month started to roll in, why they only either had zero or only one by the glass. It's like there's this weird unwritten rule that rosé is just for the hot months, which is... Untrue in my book. It's one of my favorite wines. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I drink it all year round. But I find that that our guests unfortunately stop like after they do. It, it's like uh, it's like white pants, right? You can like drink rosé during the time you can wear white this pants. Antiquated rule, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like that first, you know, as soon as it get like a, a warm day in early spring, when when everyone like you know starts wearing shorts and summer dresses in like march because it's 58 degrees or something like that it's true it's, it's like they got the they got the invitation to start drinking rosé or something yeah and then that's the time that that rosé has to start and they get a date when to stop so yeah. <laughs> how about something like uh i i've had uh i know that people are going to be doing like corn soups which i think is a soup is always kind of an interesting pair with wine because of the of the of the texture i am looking forward i love corn soup chilled corn soup is like one of my favorite i think it is so so delicious how do you approach pairing something like that uh, a more liquidy kind of dish with uh with wine actually we have um while not a corn soup we have a chilled cucumber vichyssoise on the menu right now it has a bit mm-hmm. of enoki mushroom and it has some raw tropical fruits pineapple 
Um, and we paired that, you know, we started with a gruner that didn't work. And then we eventually stumbled upon a sake, which I thought was amazing with it, the chokesan, nigori style sake. And, you know, I, I know when people order a wine pairing, um, they're looking for sometimes primarily wine, but you, you get that table that doesn't mind if one course is a cocktail, if one course is sake or sherry. And that's always fun for us because sometimes what works is something sort of off the beaten path, like mm-hmm. that beer even. Maybe that added texture and weight from a sake, is that, is that kind of why it works? I always find that it's like a, a little tricky, like the liquid on liquid kind of thing. It, it definitely, the, math, the mouth feel, like the waxiness of mm-hmm. the particular sake that we paired it with um, sort of acted as a platform for it. And really, it was refreshing. The cucumber was refreshing. So it just worked. It was beautiful. Oh, that's awesome. I would not have thought of doing that. And I love sake. I and wouldn't have thought of it either. We just tried it. And it do you have that conversation with the answer? He's like, are, are you cool if we go off the, you know, off the wine pairing situation? And you're like, I, I know this is great. I'm going to do it. You're going to love it. What's your, what's your kind of method when approaching that? I, I think it's a good common courtesy to ask, at least to broach the subject with them before you just throw something on the table. But honestly, I, I rarely get turned down. I can't remember the last time someone said, no, I don't want to try that cocktail. No, I'm not really into it. Because I think people who ask for a wine pairing, you have to be a little bit daring to begin with because you're, you're letting someone else choose something for you. It's like having someone cook for you. You're not choosing really anything and you're opening yourself up to their sort of mm-hmm. expertise, their practice. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that's the most fun way to, to dine, to like to not have to worry, you know? Say Sit back. You're, you're in the capable hands, in, the ca- in your case, uh, capable hands of, of you and, and, and John Frazier's kitchen. Like, let, you know, let sit back and just enjoy. Just let it happen to me. And uh, I, I'm very much about that, that, uh, that way of dining. I think it's uh, super, super fun. It is. It is. It lets them get back to their conversation, takes that novel of the wine list out of their hands, and lets them enjoy their company, which is what food and wine is actually all about. That's true, because if I was at your restaurant and I'm looking at your wine list, I will be an antisocial person uh, for at least it's 10, 15 minutes because I'm like, you know, like, oh, they have that one. Ooh, that one. Okay. I put my finger on this one page or, and I'm turning the other page around trying to look for it. And then I'm like, I don't know. And going back and forth. You I'd, lose time. It's true. You lose time. And then, you know, inevitably like your guests are like, What's, <laughs> there he goes again. Just right. Look, right. Looking through Forget the about list. Us. Looking through the list. Um, something, another theme that we've seen a lot on the show, people are super excited about, and I've noticed on your list, you have an excellent selection of sherry. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Are people actually drinking sherry, or is this something that you're sneaking into your into your wine pairings? Because I feel like if I had a wine pairing situation, uh, I would, I would uh, as someone who is working it, I would, I would sneak, I would put sherry in all the time because we have a hard time selling it. And I love it. I share the uh, interest in sherry with you. It's true. It, it's, it can be a hard sell. I find that it's a, either a hard sell or people will know way more than I ever expected them to mm. know about sherry. They know about Montilla Mariles. They, one guy asked if I had Alvir the other night, which is, I mean, you have to have a pretty good vocabulary to be asking for those things. And he wasn't industry. He was just quite frankly, a sherry lover. So there's really no gray area, I find. It's it's really black and white. So the white part of it is I do try to sneak it in on a wine pairing. Or if they're, they've already had their champagne at the bar, or maybe they stopped someplace else for a cocktail before they came to dinner, I try to 
wedge that into the conversation. Oh, did you ever see that show Frasier? Remember the brothers? They always had their sherry aperitif, you know, just something quirky like that. And I try to get them to that page, even though they're looking at the wines by the glass initially. And believe it or not, people, they, they fall in love, whether they've only had a Fino and they finally try an Amontillado, or they, it's their first foray into sherry. I think the Manzanilla that we pour, the Valdespino um, and Rama, I think it's a great introduction. It's only a little bit um, beautiful wine. saline-like. Oh it's God. not too overpowering, and it's just it's refreshing on a hot day. It really is. That's a beautiful wine. Uh, anyway, I uh, unfortunately we have to uh, we have to wrap up. Oh. This has been so much fun, um, guys. If you haven't been, if you're looking for a beautiful beautiful meal and you haven't been, I definitely encourage you as all to uh, to visit Dovetail, and uh, it's uh, it's truly I think one of my favorite restaurants in the city. The, the food is is so beautiful and it's uh it's such a comfortable place too that you don't expect uh, you know I, I i never expect i'm always surprised by the the level of the food the service the wine list uh especially going to such like a a, a comfortable but elegant place uh i i love it and jamie thank you so much for being thank on the you show. i'll pass it, the compliments along uh <laughs> please do please do and thank you all for listening um uh, just a reminder hope to see you guys at the hawaiian barbecue august 11th uh, from 4 till 9 p.m. And thanks so much for listening. This has been In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website, or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>